what's going on you guys and welcome back to another episode the 20th episode of push the tempo podcast it's your boy area and I'm with my guy kyle and for the 20th episode we got something special we're going to be previewing the finals we're going to do our predictions and all that but that's going to come later on in the podcast before we get into that we're going to be talking about the conference finals and just talking about all the matchups and stuff and what, what went down so with that being said my guy kyle you want to talk about who do you want to talk about first which matchup uh, let's start. Let's start with the one that just ended yesterday. I believe yesterday or two days ago, the Milwaukee Bucks closing out the Atlanta Hawks in six games. Um, so right off the bat, the first thing that we got to talk about, obviously, besides that, the Bucks, you know, advancing to their first finals since I believe 1974, is the Giannis injury. As of right now, I believe he's listed as questionable. He was upgraded from doubtful earlier today. But when that injury happened, it looked it looked really bad. You know, his his leg bent backwards, and thankfully he was able to walk off the court under his own power. But you know, it looked like it could be something that troubles him, not just like the rest of this, not just the rest of the Atlanta series, but also in the finals. So um, I just want to see him fully healthy. Uh, this finals, if both teams are fully healthy, I think is going to be really really good. I could see it going either way, but, you know, you just got to hope that he's okay and that both teams are at full strength. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. That injury looked really tough. Um, one thing that came out of it that was a pretty positive for the Bucks is it gave them a lot of momentum. Like, guys like Drew Holiday in the Brooklyn series were really struggling towards the end of it. I remember, what did he go? Like, 2 of 11 in the first half of Game 7 or something like that? Um, and this really allowed Drew Holiday to get a lot of opportunity, not only him, but, you know, Middleton's always going to be Middleton. He's a great scorer, and he's probably their most clutch shooter and player on that team. But even guys like Brooke Lopez were getting hot, Bobby Portis, and this is kind of the momentum that the Bucks need. So I know I'm kind of proving in the finals, but it really showed that the Bucks had a lot of um, a lot of people that stepped up. So that's one good thing that came out of this series, although I know Giannis is hurt. And I think he actually just got um, uh, upgraded to game time decision, which honestly, personally, is kind of scary because, you know, Giannis is a franchise player. He's still pretty young, 26 years old. So it's pretty scary that they're kind of risking it right off the bat. But yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. That injury was really brutal. And it's definitely going to be a great matchup if all teams are healthy, though. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying that, they had to close out the series without Giannis. And a lot of credit, like you said, goes to Middleton and Drew Holiday, but also to guys like Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez as well. Brooke Lopez had a really big game five. Uh, Bobby Portis was pretty solid in this series after not really playing much against Brooklyn. Uh, but, you know, like you said, a lot of credit goes to Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton in particular. You know, they, they really put the teams on their back. And when it looked like Atlanta was kind of closing the gap in game six, you know, they had that huge um, fourth quarter. They had a little bit of a comeback. You know, uh, Chris Middleton, you know, he kind of stemmed the tide and kind of hoarded them off by himself. So a lot of credit goes to him. And I know that Atlanta losing the last two games, like some people may look at it as a little bit of a disappointment. But at the same time, you know, Trey Young was hobbled a little bit. He kind of struggled in game seven, um, you know, suffering a little bit with that ankle injury. But nobody really expected, expected Atlanta to even be in the conference finals to begin with. Everybody thought Philadelphia would make relatively easy work of them. So them 
just being in this position, you know, being such a young team with guys who are really intriguing, like Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish had a really good game six. Uh, he really showed out. Um, you know, him, DeAndre Hunter didn't play, Kevin Herter. Like, they have a lot of guys who are very intriguing for their future. And a lot of them are still, like, very young as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, what happens with Clint Capella. Uh, not, not sorry, not Clint Capella. Did you with John Collins in the offseason in regards to his contract? But Atlanta looks like they have a pretty good future, like, on the way. So I'm excited to see what they do moving forward. Yeah, I mean, this series really just showed that Atlanta has a good, good young core. I mean, Trey Young was hurt most of um, the series, so there was a lot of pressure being put on him, and he performed in the earlier series. But in this one, you know, of course he got hurt, which really sucks. I wanted to see him go full out. And I guess there's an argument to be made. If he was fully healthy through the duration of the series, it, with Giannis being hurt, that is, the, the the Hawks would have honestly come out with the dub in this series. But, I mean, we can play the what-if game all day long. But, honestly, it just really showed me that the Hawks are for real. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a case of the Heat where they go to the – they have a deep playoff run and just never show up again. But it was definitely an entertaining playoff run for the Hawks. Um, personally, after watching the series, you know, I, I think this is kind of a hot take, but I think John Collins is pretty overrated in my opinion. I feel like he's more of an athletic version of Daniel Tice. Um, I don't know. He didn't really impress me a lot. Uh, but yeah, that's just kind of a random hot take, my bad. But yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Um, but yeah, you got any other thoughts? Uh, just that Bobby Portis, uh, like I mentioned earlier, he was really, really good. Uh, Cam Reddish had a really, really good game six. Uh, did he, I'm not sure. I don't remember correctly if he played like really well in game five, but I think he might have. Um, like he's a guy that, you know, dealt with injuries throughout the year, didn't play a lot and just, you know, comes into a to a finals, uh, Eastern Conference final series and makes an impact. So that's really impressive to me. Uh, you mentioned about John Collins. He had his moments where he looked really good in the playoffs and then he had his other moments where it didn't look so good for him. So it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what Atlanta does and decides to do with him moving forward. True. I don't make any speculations, but I right, hypothetically, all right, we're gonna do like a minute on this. Do you think he's gonna resign or do you think he's gonna move on? Honestly, man, it's I have I have no idea. Like I I have no clue what his market is. I think some team will be willing to throw him a lot of money, uh, mm -hmm. just because you know he's still very talented and he's still young. Uh, if Atlanta, I think Atlanta will be willing to match it if it's, you know, reasonable and what they think is reasonable. But yeah, I, I just have no clue. But I think I think he'll be back if I had to make an, a choice. Yeah, if I'm not wrong, I believe he declined an extension, like an earlier extension, uh, hoping he can get like a bigger bag, if I'm not wrong. So, I mean, that kind of tells me he's okay with going to a different team for more money. But seeing that Atlanta... Um, basically extended Nate McMillan and gave him a bag and a four-year contract. I don't see why the Hawks wouldn't do the same for Collins. Uh, I still don't think he's that great in my personal opinion, but yeah, I guess it's enough about John Collins and the Hawks. You want to talk about the other series? Um, you got the Clippers and the Suns, or do you want to, do you have any other takes? Nah, like you said, like possibly what if Trey had been healthy in this series, maybe, Atlanta would have been able to pull it out. But like, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of credit goes to Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton for closing them out. So speaking about what ifs, um, let's move on then to the Phoenix Suns and 
Clippers series. The Suns beat the Clippers in six games. Um, I just want to get your thoughts right away. What did you? What was your? What were your impressions of this series? Well, honestly, it showed me two things, or maybe two or three things. One is Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Honestly, man, I I can't I can't say how much I'm really impressed by how well they played. Um, who knows if it's just a playoff or one-time playoff run, but these guys really showed that they're here for real. Um, Devin Booker's emotions um, or the way he acted after uh, getting that Western Conference Finals trophy, he seemed really calm and he, I could tell that he was, you know, ready for the next stage. He wanted to go on to the finals. With that being said, I'm going to take a look at the Clippers. So the other thing that it showed me is Paul George, he really put up, and I know we talked about this last series, but he had, I mean, yeah, he had some bad moments where he missed some free throws and all that, but I still think that, you know, Paul George really put on, um, and it's not much of a surprise that the Clippers couldn't really pull it up without Kawhi. I mean, I think we're all expected that. I don't think a lot of us expected the Clippers to even get past the last round with the Jazz with Kawhi being hurt, so it's definitely a great job. And we talked about in the last podcast how well Ty Lue did. But another thing that really goes understated in this series was Patrick Beverly. And we all know what happened with him and Chris Paul at the end of the game. And it really sucks to see that that one play kind of defined to a lot of, you know, I guess you could say casuals, how well Beverly played. He was really putting in. And yeah, a lot of people are going to say he's a dirty player. I mean, Booker and him had a head collision. I don't necessarily think that was dirty. Then there was that Chris Paul, um, screen work I guess you can argue was a little bit uh debatable but some can argue that Chris Paul kind of leaned into it some could say that Beverly's a little dirty I don't know either way we're not going to be talking about that I just want to see how well that Beverly really played and honestly I was pretty inspired by his defense um you know most of you guys know me Marcus Smart fan but that was pretty good performance by Patrick Beverly uh I just want to hear your thoughts I know you're a Clippers fan so I feel like your thoughts going to hit a little bit more home so you mentioned about um, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I kind of disagree. Honestly, Chris Paul, Devin Booker had a really, really great game one. Um, and Chris Paul had a really good game six. But outside of that, I didn't really think either of them were really that great in this series relative to their standards. Like Devin Booker had a lot of, had a couple of rough shooting games. And in game four, or was it game five? I think it was game five. Devin Booker had a really, really good uh, first three quarters. And then he kind of disappeared in the fourth. If you look at Chris Paul's numbers in games five, I think they look okay. I think he had like 18 and nine or something like that. Uh, let me just look at it real quick. He had he had 22 and eight, but he was a minus 15. And I thought every time he touched the ball, Phoenix's offense would just ground to a halt and it would just be him just pounding the rock at the top of the key. Two guys that really impressed me for Phoenix in this series are, uh, and in my opinion, this guy was the best player in the series for the Suns, was DeAndre Ayton. And Cam Johnson. Um, Cam Johnson, it felt like he didn't miss in this series. I think he shot – he was shooting like 70% from the field. And I don't even think that was the highest number on his team because DeAndre Ayton was also that good. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was the first big man that really could punish the Clippers for playing small. And he he did exactly that, whether it be, you know, scoring on them in the interior, being a lob threat that they weren't able to really figure out, and, you know, just attacking them on the offensive glass. I think a really underrated game from this series because everybody's going to remember Devin Booker's 40-point triple-double in game one and Chris Paul's 40-point game to close out the series. But I think DeAndre Ayton's 19-point and 22-rebound game in game four when both teams were stuck in the mud and, you know, there was that huge scoring drought in the fourth quarter. 
I think he was really the difference maker in the series. And I think he was the best player for the Suns in this entire series. He might not have the highs of, you know, Devin Booker's game one or Chris Paul's game six, but throughout the entire series, I think he was the most consistent player. And he really, he made a huge difference in the series and he's a really impressive player. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you uh, in the words of Chris Paul. And I'm just kind of paraphrasing. Well, he's going to get a bag thrown at him for sure. Uh, he definitely played well both ends of the floor. He, and honestly, you know, I kind of agree with you. Um, I don't want to take back what I said about Chris Paul and Booker. I know that they, they didn't necessarily shoot that well. And those two, the first game for Booker and the last game for Chris Paul kind of like overshadowed their, you know, their bad shooting. I know, I think it was game five or maybe it was game. I think it was game five where uh, they were up three, one. Yeah. So um, in that game, Chris Paul had a terrible game, um, but I just think that their leadership and, you know, Booker hitting those tough shots and Chris Paul staying poised, even though, you know, for him, this is, this is pretty pressureful. I mean, imagine never making the finals in 16 or 17 year career, however long it's been. I don't know. I'd just say that that leadership is really impressive. Um, and I know we don't really get a C behind the scenes and all that, but you know, this is a young core that the Suns have. And to me, it's personally like super impressive that, you know, not only Chris Paul, but Devin Booker, but all these other guys are performing, stepping up, whether it's because of leadership or they're just there. I just thought that was pretty impressive from the Suns team. And not to mention, they're really, they're like hella fun to watch. I don't lie. That's just my personal opinion. But yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree. DeAndre Ayton was insane. I believe, um, yeah, like you said, he was shooting something like insane, like 70% from the field, which even though he's a center, it's not like he only takes layups and dunks. He does do a lot of... Um, uh, mid-range jumpers so remember we had the argument or not really an argument or the conversation where I asked you if Ben was better than um, DeAndre Ayton and you know it is recency bias but nonetheless DeAndre Ayton was really impressive this series as well so to your point about uh, leadership whatever I think it's a, I think that's slightly overrated to me um, yeah Chris Paul when he came you know him rubbing off on some of the younger guys uh, definitely, you know, it definitely made a difference. But in my opinion, Phoenix probably would have been at the very least a play-in team or like a seven or eight seed last year had DeAndre Aiden not got suspended um, because they were really good last year as well, particularly in the bubble. They went eight and no, everybody knows about that. But I just think his, like the whole leadership thing is slightly overblown. Like this is a good team with or without Chris Paul. Like they, they went up uh, with a 2-0 series lead and Chris Paul didn't even play because campaign who his uh his journey from being like a bad like just bench player who didn't play to a guy who's like a legit sixth man on a title contender you know that's really impressive to me he was basically giving the Suns what Chris Paul would have and more because I think in game two he had like 29 points and eight assists with zero turnovers as good as, as good as Chris Paul is at this stage of his career Chris Paul is not giving you that unless it's like an outlier game so um, you know, uh, the whole leadership thing to me is slightly overblown with or without Chris Paul. This is a really good team. Are they a championship team without Chris Paul? No, but if you put a guy who's maybe slightly worse than Chris Paul, just like a solid point guard who doesn't make a lot of mistakes next to the next to Devin Booker and on the Suns team, I think they'll probably still be like a top four seed because they're just that good to me. Um, on the Clippers side, you know, like you said, Paul George had some rough games, he had some rough moments, but. I mean, there's really not a lot you can expect from him, you know, being down the team's best player, 
and him really being the guy who has to get everything going, whether it be like being a ball handler, a playmaker, you know, defending because uh, defending like the number one option because Kawhi's out. Uh, it's just a lot of stuff that he had to do. And at the end of the day, while he put up like an ad- admirable effort, you know, it just wasn't enough. And the Suns are really good and there's really nothing to be ashamed of because without Kawhi, this is a series that they were supposed to lose regardless. You know, it's not like it's a disappointment that they lost this series. So um, there's that. I thought, like you, like you mentioned, I thought Pat Beverly did a solid job on Devin Booker and Chris Paul in this series. Uh, you know, there were some moments, like you mentioned, the push that Chris Paul, which was stupid. He shouldn't have done that. Uh, the Devin Booker thing, which I do believe is an accident, not a great look, though. Uh, I thought he did a solid job defending Booker. I thought Reggie Jackson was really good in this series. Uh, Reggie Jackson probably worked himself and played himself out of whatever the Clippers could offer him in the offseason because he's a free agent. But I think he was averaging like 22 points per game after Kawhi went down. So huge props to him as well. Uh, yeah, the Clippers at the end of the day, at the end of the day, every finals run, every championship run, you have to be good and you have to be lucky. Uh, and in no way am I trying to like demean what the Suns have done because they've been a really good team all year. But the Clippers were definitely good enough to win the championship. They just weren't lucky enough. You know, Kawhi went down at the worst possible time and wasn't able to come back. But that doesn't take away from how good the Suns are. The Suns are still a very good team. Yeah, most definitely. I definitely agree with you. Um, with that being said, do you want to talk about a little bit about the finals preview? Yeah, let's do it. Um, what are you? What are your predictions for the finals? I mean, all right. So I'm kind of – I don't want to say I'm stuck in the fence, but I feel like there's really two ways this can go. It's either going to be Suns win overwhelmingly or it could really swing in Milwaukee's momentum. So as I talked about before in this podcast episode – they really have that momentum. Even without Giannis, Middleton was on fire. Drew Holiday bounced back. Lopez, all these other players are really stepping up. I think that this momentum can really help out. I know on the other side of things, the Suns, although they were completely healthy for the most part, they, they still don't have that same momentum. I'm not feeling that momentum. Devin Booker hurt himself um, with that headbutt uh, with Beverly. Chris Paul is still getting up there in age. And yeah, his last game was really good. But like you said before, they they weren't shooting as efficiently as they were in their previous series. So it really it comes down to me, at least in in terms of that momentum. And on top of that, the young core, we don't really know how they're going to perform. Like you mentioned before, Cam Johnson was shooting something like 70% from the field. We don't know if that's going to happen again, if that was just a fluke. You know what I mean? Like they're not proven. On the other side of things, the Bucks are somewhat proven. I mean, we all know Giannis, if he's healthy. Defensive player of the year, MVP. Chris Middleton is probably the most clutchest player. Drew Holiday has always been a, like an all-defensive player and an underrated player, an all-star level player. So, I mean, there's a there's always a chance for Milwaukee to go up. And I know like analysts have the Suns like overwhelmingly winning by six, Suns and six. I think that's a consensus right now. And if you'd be betting, you'd have to take the Suns because they're their favorites. You know what I mean? So I think it's kind of tough, but in my opinion, I'm still going to stick with the Suns just because I think, and I know we have the same opinion here, but I just think that their coaching is well beyond the Bucks coaching. And on top of that, they have some players that, that really, that like, I really believe in the players that they have, like guys like Jay Crowder, they can defend and shoot. And as long as the team stays consistent, I think the Suns can win. What do you think? 
Yeah, I also lean Suns and six uh, for a couple of the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, like you mentioned that, you know, Monty Williams is a really, really good coach. And there's been times where Mike Budenholzer has, you know, shown to not be able to adjust to uh, the opposing team's game plan. And, you know, Monty Williams is going to throw everything at everything that Budenholzer can handle it more. So I also lean towards the Suns. I do think there's some things that Milwaukee can do to, you know, because this is this is a really close series. And this, to me, like I said earlier, could go either way. Um, I think if Milwaukee plays with Giannis at the five for like a majority of each game, like say like 35, like 36 minutes a game, and it limits the time that Brooke Lopez is on the court with Chris Paul, I think that they can really put themselves in a good position because at this point in his career, uh, Chris Paul is not a guy who's going to get downhill. He's not going to, you know, blow by people because just he's old, like he's 36. Uh, at this point in his career, he's really a guy who tries to hunt out mismatches and takes advantage of weak links. So if they run a, if the Bucks run like a hypothetical lineup of say, uh, Pat Connaughton, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, and Giannis, like with Giannis as the five, uh, Chris Paul, there's not really a, a weak link that Chris Paul is going to exploit. Like he's not going to be able to tr- attack like a player and drop off like a screen like he would against Brooke Lopez or like against Bobby Portis or like he did. One of the main reasons he got loose in game six versus the Clippers was that he would just attack DeMarcus Cousins over and over, you know? So I think if, I think if Milwaukee plays with the honest at the five for a majority of the series, I think they can give them, I think they'll be in good shape and they can give themselves a really good chance. But, you know, that remains to be seen. And not only that, it remains to be seen if Giannis will be healthy, you know, uh, because like you said earlier, he's questionable for game one. Um, but no, I will, I also lean Suns in six. Um, but this series, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks win. And I'd actually, I'd be pretty happy with the Bucks win. You know, Giannis is really, he's really good. You know, them being, them being, you know, being able to beat the, the Brooklyn Nets, regardless of the Nets being injured. You know, being able to really take that the best punch that Kevin Durant could give them and still win is very impressive to me. And you know, Giannis, he's had some shortcomings in the playoffs the last couple of years, and him, you know, breaking through, being only 26 and winning his first finals would be would be really cool to see. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. Um, it's just at this point, it's just hard to say that the Bucks are going to win. I definitely can see it happening. But I just feel like it's overwhelmingly in the favorites or the odds of the Suns. Um, I think that games one and two are probably going to be the most critical games because if hypothetically Giannis doesn't play, if they were able to steal a game with their momentum in games one or two at the Suns' home, I think that that would be super critical in helping this the Bucks beat the Suns. You know what I mean? Like that home court advantage can really help. Honestly. The Suns and four guy, he really put me on the Suns fan base, yo. They're really that stadium is really overwhelmingly like, like they're insane. You know what I mean? Um, I just think that the Bucks, if they were able to steal a game in one or two, that this would definitely help them. Um, I I thought that Giannis would probably set out games one and two anyway. So if they're able to steal that one game, it's gonna be huge. But if they're not, it's going to be tough for them, especially if Giannis comes back later in the series. Because um, it's, it's not like, for example, uh, Trey Young, when he first came back from his injury, it's not like he played completely well. Same thing with Harden. We all know that it doesn't just take one game for an injured player to come back and be good again. You know what I mean? And that injury didn't look that great as well, you know? So I just think that they need this 
game one or two in order to kind of boost their odds. What do you think? Yeah, no, you make some good points for sure. Um, you know, like like you mentioned, it all depends on health, man. Uh, the Suns have had some some things go their way, some lucky breaks with in terms of opponents' injuries. And, you know, um, you can't knock them because at the end of the day, they're really good. And like I mentioned, you need some level of luck and some level and to be good at the same time to make the finals and win the championship. But it would be really nice to see a series where, you know, they play a fully healthy or relatively fully healthy team. Definitely. And if I'm not wrong, some of these games are not like like every other day. So I believe in between games two and three, there's going to be like a three day break. I think this is definitely going to be to Milwaukee's advantage, um, especially if Giannis is unable to play in games one or two, or even if he does come back, he can get more time to rest and heal up, especially going back home. So I think that that's going to be a huge swing compared to the every other day that they were playing in the conference finals. So I don't know. It's, it's really tough. I, in my opinion, I can't really make a proper assessment. And I know this is kind of like cheating, but Honestly, it's hard for me to pick a side until the games one and two are finished. And I know, that's, like I said, that's cheating, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But yeah, either way, um, one thing I will say is there's a lot of variables. Like none of these players on either team have been to a finals except for Jay Crowder. So that's just one thing to look at. We know the Suns team is really young and we know that Giannis isn't healthy right now. We don't know what's going to go on. I know you mentioned that really good um, plan about Giannis at the five, but we don't know if uh, Mike Budenholzer is going to do that or not or what's going to happen. I just think that there's a lot of variables. And either way, you can't argue with the outcome. It's going to be it's going to be a pretty entertaining series. Yeah, I just hope I hope we can get a fully healthy series because, you know, both these teams are really good. Milwaukee is, you know, they they really showed that they have they have the goods man like they beat they beat brooklyn everybody thought they were including myself thought they were dead in the water after game 5 after that disaster in game 5 against brooklyn but they bounced back and then they lost giannis in game game 4 i think it was game 4 against atlanta and then they bounced back and closed them out so you know them them you know going the distance and now being in the finals you would hate to see them you know lose without you know being given like a full chance a full fighting chance and not being fully healthy. But, you know, at the same time, Phoenix is also really good. Um, you know, them, they, they've taken care of business, regardless of what you want to say about injuries that they've played against. Uh, they took care of business against the Lakers. The games five and six were not close at all. Um, they, I don't think any game versus the Nuggets was particularly close, if my memory serves me correctly. And even though every game that they won versus the Clippers was close besides game six, you know, at the end of the day, they were able to pull out every single game, regardless of how it happened. They were still able to close them out. So they also deserve a ton of credit. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Man, it's really tough. Yo, guys, leave a comment on our videos. Let us know who you guys predict as soon as this comes out. But yeah, let us know. You got anything else to say? No, I think I think I'm good. Where do you want to call it for this episode? sounds good to me we're all right guys we appreciate you guys for listening to our podcast you guys can check us out at youtube or spotify apple Podcasts, anywhere that you guys listen to your podcast we're there under push the tempo podcast with Ari and kyle other than that guys if you guys have any questions you guys can always email us or any hot takes 
we'll put you and feature you on our channel as well as our podcast so let us know with that being said we'll catch you guys later and we'll probably see you guys maybe halfway through the series of the finals or after the finals so with that being said peace out guys and see you in the next episode